You are listening to the Hematology podcast by Sanofi. Detection of minimal residual disease, MRD, is becoming more important in different fields of hematology, including multiple myeloma. Over the past decades, we've been able to improve the sensitivity of detecting minimal levels of MRD through innovations in molecular biology. But should MRD always be treated? Will it give a better outcome for the patient? And do the benefits outweigh the costs? This is the Hematology Podcast, and I am Mats Mero. So with me today, I have Fredrik Schesvold, an international expert in multiple myeloma. Thank you for joining me today, Fredrik. Thank you for having me. So today we are going to talk about MRD in multiple myeloma. Could we start out with you telling us what is actually MRD? MRD, uh, minimal residual disease, is techniques to allow measuring of tumor loads at a high sensitivity. Uh, I, can, I can start with just how we measure tumor load and responses in, in myeloma. So we've always had strong uh, tumor load markers in myeloma because the uh, myeloma cells secrete monoclonal component and light change, which are sort of antibody and antibody uh, fragments. So when we treat, we see that these uh, are reduced. And in the past, we have uh, used the, the amount of reduction to say what kind of response the patient is in. So if the, the monoclonal component is reduced by 50%, we call it a partial response. And if, they, uh, if it's completely reduced, so you can't see anything, you call it a complete response. And, and we know that patients in complete response have a better outcome, a longer survival than patients in, that, that does not have a complete response. But what we do see is that within the patients that have a complete response, there is a big difference in, in their outcome. So obviously some, some progress faster and some progress uh, later. And obviously they all more or less have residual disease, uh, but this can't be measured by, by the uh, sort of um, yesterday's uh, uh, methods. So, so minimal residual disease is a way to, to measure this, this remnant tumor load in a more sensitive um, uh, way. Uh, so what the most common MRD measurements today is bone marrow samples. That's where the cancer is. Uh, and it's measured by either uh, an advanced flow cytometry, which we call next generation flow, NGF, or we measure it by, by uh, next generation sequencing. Um, uh, where you can amplify um, uh, remnants of sort of special clonal uh, part of, of the, the, the DNA in, in uh, leftover uh, cancer cells. And, and with that, you can follow the patient's uh, tumor load much more with a much higher sensitivity than we can with monoclonal, uh, monoclonal component after the patient has achieved a complete response. That's uh, what MRD is. We, we try to measure tumor load that is lower than we can measure in the blood and urine by monoclonal components. Okay, let's talk a little bit about more about these new methods. Uh, you mentioned the new generation flow and new generation sequencing. It would be interesting to discuss these methods a little bit more. 
the flow cytometry method, could you say a little bit how it differs from standard flow cytometry? And what is it we're actually looking at? What uh, Are we looking at the specific malignant clone or just plasma cells? We are looking at plasma cells. Um, but with the, the common um, uh, flow cytometry, the conventional flow cytometry, we are using four colors. Um, with this method, we use um, 12 different markers. It's two tubes with eight uh, colors in each. And together, they, 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 they look at uh, 12 different plasma cell markers. And because plasma cells are not, uh, all clones do not have the same markers, they are able to, to find um, the malignant clone using these uh, 12 markers. Um, it is possible to do this in, an, in a minimal residual disease state. You can find a clone and you can say that this is a clone. But if you have a baseline sample when the patients had a large tumor load, it's easier to find this clone in an MRD situation. But it's possible anyway. So, but but it's, it's, it's looking at plasma cell markers. It's not specific for the patient. It's not specific for myeloma, but they are able to find clones. Uh, I think the, the major difference uh, towards NGS is that um, to say that it's a clone, you need a cluster of cells, maybe 10, 15, 20 cells at least. Uh, so it means that um, uh, if you're measuring 1 million cells, you need to find uh, 10 to 20 cells that are in this clone. And that makes the um, uh, sensitivity uh, usually among uh, around uh, uh, 1 per 100,000 or 10 to the minus 50. Uh, if you compare to NGS, where you actually look at, uh, you amplify uh, a patient-specific um, uh, sequence that's only present in the malignant clone, you actually just need one cell among uh, uh, one million uh, nucleated cells, so that the sensitivity, even if you measure or uh, analyze the same number of cells, will, will always be one log higher in NGS. And that's why that method is by most people considered to be the best uh, assay. The problem is that, uh, as mentioned, in NGS, you need to have a baseline sample to find the patient-specific sequence uh, in these malignant cells, uh, so that uh, if you don't have a baseline sample, you have to use uh, flow. But if you have a baseline sample, uh, NGS provides a little bit higher sensitivity. Uh, and again, just to compare the sensitivity of the two methods, you mentioned that, yeah, could you please repeat that? Because NGS is a little bit more sensitive. Yeah, so, so NGF has a sensitivity usually of, a, of around, uh, you can find one cells per 100,000, but you need to analyze a million cells to do that. While, while NGS can find this one cell among the one million, so we have a sensitivity of, about, of around one per um, uh, million, or uh, 10 to the minus six. Uh, the more cells you analyze, of course, the higher the sensitivity goes, but that goes for both methods. So if you, if you manage to get 10 million nucleated cells from the bone marrow to analyze, 
the sensitivity will be one log uh, better in both methods, but still NGS will be uh, 10 times better than, than uh, NGF, uh, the flow. But this has to be done on bone marrow, which is a little bit difficult for the patient. Is this how we have to do it? Could we use peripheral blood? Yeah, this is a problem because um, um, uh, f- first, it's, it's, uh, it's, if you want to follow the patient's bioflow uh, or, or by any method of MRD, you need to take regular bone marrow samples. And this is cumbersome for the, for the doctors and, and uh, painful for the patients. Um, and, and most patients don't like to do this, uh, even though uh, if it's important, they, they will do it. But still, it's, 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 uh, it's not um, uh, something they, they uh, appreciate. Um, there has been um, uh, studies trying to find circulating tumor cells or circulating DNA in, in the blood. Uh, but that has not uh, proved to be very sensitive so far. What has come up the later years is a mass spec of blood where you can find minute um, uh, amounts of the monoclonal component that is specific for the patient. Uh, So far, it seems that this method has a sensitivity that is on par with with NGS or NGF around that area. Uh, And it's a blood sample. It's very easily performed. It's, it's, it's also quite easily done in the lab if you have the equipment. Um, so moving forward, uh, this is the method that maybe looks, looks as the winner today. It's too early to tell because it's not, uh, it's not mature. It's not been studied as much as uh, NGS and NGF. Um, but uh, we now see a way out of this uh, regular bone marrow sampling if you want to, to follow uh, minimal residual disease in, in, in patients regularly. And there's another advantage, which is, which is maybe even bigger. It's that when you perform a bone marrow sample, you only sample one particular place, and it's more or less always the same place. Um, and myeloma is a patchy disease. It's not like leukemia, which is... Uh, homogeneously spread out in, in the bone marrow. Uh, myeloma often consists of multiple tu- uh, tumors uh, spread out in, in the bone marrow. That's why we call it multiple myeloma. Um, and uh, because of this um, feature of the disease, uh, it's, uh, it, you, you, you can be fooled by, by um, uh, uh, a sample that's only taken in one place. Well, mass spec in the blood uh, is a global uh, analysis. It, 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 it's sort of an average of the whole body. So, so that's um, uh, maybe an evenly big advantage to the fact that it's a blood sample and you can do it more easily. So, so those two things together speaks highly of, um, of uh, mass spec uh, being the, the way we would like to do this in the future. Today, it's not, it's not um, disseminated. Um, uh, most sites uh, do not do this, uh, while NGS and NGF is it's increasingly used. NGF is the most uh, sort of prevalent. Uh, NGS is a bit more difficult, but still is performed in, in many centers, while MASPEC is still in its infancy. Uh, but it's used now regularly at uh, s- uh, several 
uh, sites in in US. So this is the way to move forward, I would say. So seems to be a very advancing field. But what use can we actually have of this information of MRD not of knowing the MRD in the patient, and and how can we use it clinically and scientifically? Well, it's uh, that's a difficult question because. MRD uh, measurements uh, today is is prognostic, is for research, um, and there's not much to do with the results as of today. The most important part today is that um, if patients are MRD negative, we know that they will perform better than if the same patient was MRD positive. So if you find that the patient is MRD negative, that's a good sign for the patient. Uh, good, uh, good um, uh, uh, prognosis sign that the patient will perform better than than if the the MRD were positive. But that's difficult to act on because we have no studies um, that are mature that that tells us what to do with this result. Uh, there are a number of trials going on trying to find uh, ways of using this. Uh, there, is, there are typically three things um, that are, is being investigated. One is if you have a patient that is uh, MRD positive after standard treatment, there's still disease there or measurable disease there. Uh, should you intensify treatment and try to get rid of get uh, uh, rid of this MRD and, uh, positivity? Uh, studies have been performed that randomize these patients to more treatment or just continuing the same treatment. The other uh, thing is patients that are MRD negative sustained. That means that they are MRD negative for at least a year or two. Uh, should they? Uh, de-intensified treatment, should they stop treatment? Because today every treatment is is um, continuously. Um, so uh, studies are being done to, to look at that question. Should we stop treatment in MRD negative if they've been in MRD negative for, let's say, two years? Uh, some people think oh, we're already today uh, we should do that. I think it's too soon. And the third thing, the third thing is, if you have a patient that is MRD negative, and then relapses, uh, becoming MRD positive, should we re-initiate uh, treatment, uh, relapse treatment at that point, or should we wait as we normally do to a higher tumor load? Uh, also, studies being performed to uh, to answer that question. We have a study in Norway that looks spe uh, specifically at that uh, question. Um, yeah, so, but today, uh, this is only um, a prognostic measure. Uh, and whether to do it or not in routine clinic is have to be up to the doctor or, or the patient, uh, whether they would like to have this information. But it's, it's nothing we act on today. How is it in drug development? Could we have any use of this there? Yes, we can. Uh, and we're working on that. Um, the thing is that... Um, Especially in, you know, in, in myeloma, the, the main goal is uh, if you have, let's say, a randomized trial, you want to have over-survival. But because over-survival is a bit long, 
drugs today are being um, approved on the basis of uh, PFS benefits, that is progression-free survival. Uh, but in first line now, progression-free survival is uh, in first line studies for the young, especially, is moving beyond four or five years. That means that if you have a new drug um, uh, regimen that you want to approve, um, possibly in, in including novel drugs also, um, you have to wait four or five years for this uh, endpoint to mature. And that's very a very long time to, to wait for an approval of a regimen. Uh, what we do know and what has been shown now in several studies is that MRD measurements um, is a surrogate for PFS, which is again a surrogate for overall survival. Uh, so that we want, we are now pushing for in both uh, FDA and EMA. Uh, approval of MRD negativity uh, rates as, as, a, as a, an endpoint that uh, new regimens can be approved on. Uh, if this is possible, if this is um, approved by, by EMA and FDA, uh, it will be possible to approve new regimen much, uh, regimens er much earlier than we can at, the, at, at today when we have to wait for PFS and this is very much to the benefit of the patients. I think, um, and I think it's getting closer to to um, uh, to this um, uh, uh, to achieve this that MRD will become an endpoint uh, in studies that you can use to to get new regimens approved, and that will be a major leap forward because it will reduce. Uh, the years, the time from a study is performed to to the approval is is possible. So it would be of use both for new for developing new drugs and for new drug combinations. That's a great advantage. Yeah, but uh, it will be most important in the first lines of treatment. When you have, let's say, a, a, a heavily pretreated patient, uh, the PFS is still. Uh, not that long, so so uh, it's possible to approve drugs on 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 PFS in a timely fashion. MRD measurements in in that area gives a good correlative to to other studies. Um, uh, it's 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 possible to 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 compare with other studies in the same field uh, early on. But uh, the need for MRD as an endpoint in late line studies is less because PFS is still short enough to to um, uh, be mature before it's approved without that taking too much time. But in the first lines of treatment, especially the the uh, very first line, uh, MRD uh, is extremely important to to have as an endpoint because otherwise you would have to wait many years to get an approval of the drug drugs or drug regimen. So. In my clinical practice, outside clinical studies, should I use MRD analysis for, and for which patients should I do that? And how can I use the information? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question, a difficult one to answer, because it's, there's no reason today, I would say, to act on any results from an MRD analysis. That means that it's only information 
Um, so it means that if you have a patient that is um, uh, that is um, uh, wondering, and want to know as much as possible about prognosis and about the state of the disease, you can do this sample, and it will be positive if it's uh, if, it, if it's negative, and negative if it's positive. Um, so, so this is sort of up to the doctor and, and the patient, how much information they would like to have and how much they would dig into this um, uh, state of the disease. But, but for acting on it, there's no, no need, I would say. Uh, there are some ways it can still be used. And one, one thing is, is um, uh, if you if you are wondering about whether to do the next sequence of treatment uh, in 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 uh, different uh, situations, uh, this could be information that would weigh on one of the sites. It could be, for instance, that um, you do an induction therapy uh, and you do an MRD measurement. And if it's negative, you can choose not to go to transplant. I know this is being done. Uh, for instance, in Spain, this is quite common that if you're MRD negative, you don't move on to, to, to transplant. Um, it can be done. Um, but I would say, for me, this is still immature. I, I don't think we can safely say that uh, that uh, uh, transplant wouldn't give you an additional benefit so I, I wouldn't like that but but uh, some people are doing it another way which is maybe more rational is that sometimes we do tandem transplant it's been it means two transplants and uh, to whether to do a new transplant or not can be a difficult discussion because it it's, can be tough to go through one transplant and, and, and then aiming for another can be even tougher. So if you then see that the patient is MRD negative or MRD positive before you, or when you consider moving on to the next transplant, uh, this is um, uh, something that would weigh, weigh in on this discussion. Another thing is that if you, let's say you, are on maintenance treatment uh, after after transplant, and you have and you have some side effects. Maybe you have some some risk factors uh, uh, linked to this maintenance treatment you're on, and uh, you're considering whether to stop or not. Uh, and it's a clinically difficult situation. Uh, then you can do an MRD sample, and if it's negative, you can it. It will be safer to stop than than if you're MRD positive. Um, in all these situations, we don't have any randomized trial showing if it's good to do one or the other. But in difficult clinical situations where you are weighing uh, more treatment, less treatment, uh, this could be an extra information that could help you make that decision together with the patient. Um, so there are instances in clinical routine where where uh, this can impact your decision, but not in a in a evidence-based way. 
uh, it could just be one amongst uh, several arguments for stopping or continuing uh, treatment. Okay, some clinical use of this also. So in these days, now when you've discussed these methods where we can detect one cell in a million, we can find patients that are negative. Are they actually cured? Do we cure patients today with multiple myeloma? I think we are curing patients, or most people think that, but it's still a low fraction. Um, uh, and uh, it's, it also goes back to how to define a cure. I think we all have seen working with myeloma for some years that you have patients uh, that uh, were treated in first line 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and never had a relapse. But even then, you can't tell if, them, if, if they are cured. Uh, they can relapse next year. But if you look at functional cure, which is um, uh, sort of living as long as your your um, uh, as non-patients of the same age, I think we see an increase in fraction of that around uh, maybe 15%. And we would like to increase that fraction in, in the future. But this is only possible to see in hindsight. Uh, it's it's we don't have a sample that can tell you that this patient is cured. In fact, almost no uh, cancer actually has. So, um, uh, and the negative result, no measuring, no, no measurable disease anywhere is definitely not the sign of cure. Most patients with MRD negativity still progress, but the fraction that are cured or functionally cured that will never have a relapse, they are among the MRD negative patients. So if you are MRD negative, you, you are still, uh, it's still a possibility that you are, you are cured, they will not have relapse, but the, the fraction is low, but it's, it's, it's increasing. So I think the main difference, uh, if you look uh, 10 years back, is that today we are actually talking about cure. We're talking about new regimens, how much we can uh, increase the cure fraction. Um, but that's on a group level. You can never tell that an individual patient is, is, is cured. And MRD uh, measurements can help you so to say that this patient is definitely not cured, but you cannot say that it is cured because as I said, the most patients with MRD negativity still will uh, relapse. In the future, I think cure is what we're aiming for. And, and I think now, the best treatments in myeloma are not the ones in first line. They are the ones uh, in studies at late relapse, uh, CAR T cells, immunotherapies. Uh, we have never seen response rates like we have seen in these uh, treatments. So when the, those are moved on to first line and put on top of what we already have there, I think the cure rate will, will um, uh, make a significant uh, leap. Very interesting. It's, I've been working with myeloma for 30 years and it's been a fantastic change in how we treat these patients. And it's nice to see that we have this progression because it's certainly needed. Thank you so much for giving us all this information. Very nice talk and nice to meet you, Fredrik. Thank you. Thank you. You have just listened to the Hematology podcast by Sanofi. Sanofi.